Welcome to Conversations Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Sayo Nickerson. We hope that you will join Brandon, Victoria, and I as we aim to make sense of the past, age-old mysteries, and historical figures through mediumship, where we chat with beings or spirits on the other side who have a story to tell. We never know where it's going to go, and we hope that you will come along for the ride. Hello and welcome everybody to this week's episode of Conversations Beyond the Veil, where we speak with Timothy Leary. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Timothy Leary is, maybe Brandon, you can fill us in. Timothy Leary was a psychologist professor, psychology professor at Harvard. He and um, Richard Alpert, who also became known as Ram Das, uh, they conducted experiments and with their students using LSD and other psychedelics. And eventually that led to him and Richard Alpert getting kicked out of Harvard. He became a really outspoken supporter of psychedelics uh, in a time when there was, there was highly, I think, frowned upon and wasn't a very popular idea. They came under a lot of criticism because apparently um, they were taking the psychedelics along with the students that they were studying and there was reports that they had coerced students and anyways they became they sort of had a bit of a bad reputation after being dismissed by Harvard but both of them went on separate paths um, Richard Alpert then became Ramdas and became a spiritual leader and Leary went on to become an activist for psychedelics and I mean, he was arrested 36 times. Nixon called him the most dangerous man in America. I think he ran for governor. So he was a very public figure that stood for the use of psychedelics because he really believed that it was beneficial psychologically for all kinds of different people. And he really wanted to help people, which is why he was so vocal about it. But I think he's kind of considered to be like the father of the psychedelic movement. Right? Yeah. And in this reading, we have a special guest, Ram Das pops in. Yeah. So that's interesting because we, I think a lot of people have questions about who they were to each other, um, just because they both went on to pretty famous lives, but very different paths um, from starting together as colleagues. And so that's interesting because we really learn in, in this episode who they are to each other, which was very interesting and very yeah. cool to hear. And one of my favorite things in this podcast is when they explain... Timothy Leary's um, kind of education for humanity is more on the mind aspect of, of the soul level. And then we have Ram Das, who's more coming from his heart. Yeah. And so there's this difference, but they're bringing both together and they're really, really solid information. Yeah. Um, he also talks to us about what it's like being on the other side and how that might compare to a mushroom journey. So I thought that was very cool now that he's actually dead and can talk to us from that space. Base, you know, tell us a little bit what it's like. He also had some warnings yeah. about what's happening right now with the psychedelic movement. movement. I think that's definitely worth listening to because it's relevant to our time. Also as to how these things can support us, but it might be a bit surprising like what he has to say. Or maybe it was Ram Dass who said it, but you know, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything you want to add? Nothing that's good. Yeah, it was really a really interesting, a very intellectual, intellectually stimulating in my mind episode. So we hope that you enjoy it as much as we did. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Conversations Beyond the Veil. This week we have decided that we are going to try speaking with Timothy Leary and just a little bit of quick background for me is that I've heard that name around for a long time, but I've never really known really who he was, which um, is interesting for me because I've just read up on him. And so I'm quite intrigued, actually. And, and Victoria knows tons about him. So maybe, and, and you too, right, Brandon? I wouldn't say tons. But you know, like you knew who he was. I knew who he was because of Ram Dass, but that's why. Okay. That he was a professor and dealt with like psychedelical experiments. Psychedelical experiments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So well, why don't we just turn it over to Vic and you can tell us um, why, because Vic, Vic picked who we're speaking to yeah. today and she can tell us why. 
yeah, I'm realising it feels strange to pick someone I know a lot about because that kind of goes against the randomness of mediumship of not knowing anything. But I actually think it helps because then we can cut through the trying to make a connection and finding the facts of his life. I already know them and actually ask him the questions that we really want to know the answers to. Yeah, sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we're always experimenting with, with mm-hmm. this whole medium mm-hmm. <laughs> and this medium. Yep. And uh, yeah, so let's let's just see what how it goes. Well, my intention in choosing him was just because he's such an interesting person and I feel like there's still a lot of mystery around who he was as a person. I think he's... Um, I'd say we'll find out, but that he's a bit misunderstood. So at the time, um, because he was such a pioneer and leader in the counterculture movement of the 60s with psychedelics and the hippie movement or whatever you want to call it, at the time he was portrayed as someone who was kind of a bit crazy, um, unstable. And I want to know if that's the truth. Because I feel like there was just a war on drugs then, um, And now we're in the psychedelic renaissance where you've seen so many different laws being changed and psychedelics actually being welcomed as a therapy and um, as a positive, as opposed to when he was trying to move them forward, um, he was labelled as crazy. So I'm just interested to see what the truth is and what he thinks about where things are going now with psychedelics. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's find out. Okay. My first sense is that he's quite busy in the mind because I can feel myself moving at 100 miles an hour inside Um, and he feels quite analytical so there's a lot there's a lot of processing going on at once in his mind I feel. My sense is also that he means really well Um, I believe he just has a hard time getting his point across so it may seem confusing or okay my my feeling is that he was a very interesting and smart man and I can feel that in him um there's a lot going on in his mind at once I don't know if that translated very well though and that feels like perhaps why it could have been part of the problem of him being misunderstood and um misjudged and mislabeled because I see him he's very very deep in thought a lot of the time it just has a very, it feels like he has a very smart brain, the way it works. It, it feels quite complex and um, not quite like everyone else. So I feel like he's probably very special in his own right. But then as someone trying to get those points across that are in his mind, I don't think that would have happened very well. It's almost like missing the... There's a little disconnect between what he's thinking and what he says. There's like a filter it doesn't really go through, which feels like it causes a bit of a problem. In which way? Well, then you can rub people up the wrong way. And I know that he was misunderstood. And I think it was Reagan who saw him as, like, the enemy. Um, And I can understand why he did because it's like the things he said didn't go through that filter of what is acceptable and that annoys me because it doesn't have to like freedom of speech you should be able to say whatever you want but if you do go completely against what is being told then you are probably going to be labeled as crazy and there needs to be some kind of tactful way of saying things but he kind of just said what he wanted and what he thought yeah i listened to a couple of his interviews one of his interviews, and he talked a lot about the mind. He was constantly talking about how the psychedelics open the mind. What I noticed he didn't talk about much was how it opens your heart. He never mentioned that once. I'm sure he did in other interviews, but I didn't I didn't hear it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I can see how he uh, offended people, I think, because he was just very blunt in the way that he spoke, and if he saw something a certain way or you know corruption or just how something is portrayed falsely that he would just call it out and in politics like yeah 
you're, you're rubbing people the wrong way. So I don't know if it's more that they thought he was crazy or just they didn't like him because he said he called things for what they were. Yeah. That was the sense I got from the few quotes that I read from him, but they were quite funny. Like how he would describe something he was doing, but then he would just say it in this way that was very long-winded, very cerebral, and if you were on the other side of that, you'd be offended, maybe. Yeah, he was a, uh, numerology-wise, he was an 8 and a 22 day, and those were the most blunt numbers. They don't have a filter. So, um, you know how some numbers, they'll, they, or some people, they might think, okay, I need to say this in a way and people receive it the best. They don't do it that way. They are, they will punch you over with their words. And, um, and regarding the, the funny, the, he, he can, uh, oh, what did you say about him? Like he just plays with words or ideas and puts them in a very kind of, it's like a, a it's a bit of a put down, right? Like he'll. That, that will irritate others? Is that what you said? Well, just about how he talks about like a period in his life where he just sat in a car driving to work every day mindlessly like all the other millions of mindless people came home and drank martinis and went to bed like all academics like you know it's it's self-deprecating but it's also like kind of putting down he everybody says, else so one of the well oh, the interview i watched him with he the last part of his life he was uh he called himself a philosophical stand-up but not a stand-up a philosophical presenter or performer and what he thought was a good way to get across the people was if he made fun of them and he said that's a, a com comedic way to open people's minds and i don't think it is but that's what he said so he'd have big stand-up performances where he would be up on stage ask people's questions and in the process it will make people feel harmed or hurt what is that word offended, um, offended thank you <laughs> maybe he wants to offend people and he thought that would be a funny thing to open people's minds and make you think about it more and all that but i think it just makes you defensive which yeah. yeah and i think at the time with that behavior um it didn't work so well because psychedelics were so new and controversial that it was just a bit too extreme like i'm so grateful to him for spearheading that movement but I feel like now if he was here now I think that those characteristics would have more of an impact and would be he would be listened to a bit more but what, back then it was too much what's what's he think about what's happening now with psychedelics opening up all over the country or all over the United States at least <laughs> like it's kind of funny um there's definitely the sense of like well finally I think there's a slight bitterness there of kind of should have listened to me however many decades ago. Um, but I want to I dig deeper than that because that's just the, the surface emotion there. Ooh, that gives me chills. Oof. It's like I don't want it to get into the hands of the wrong people because if they are monitored... Um, by the people in charge, then there's still an agenda behind them. There's something about wanting it to be free, not necessarily financially free, um, but wanting there to be more of a freedom within it because the framework, he's not liking the framework that it's going to be built within. Like, that's where he sees the problem. What framework is there? I don't even know. Well, if they're regulated, so they're now, you know, not schedule one or whatever schedule they're in they're not illegal then that means the law enforcers have made them legal and they're the ones in charge of it and then a pharmaceutical company is going to become the ones making money off lsd mushrooms and really yeah mm -hmm. well, i've heard that too yeah it's just like another big pharma kind of thing and then really? they it's like alcohol they make money off it and it's the biggest drug. And the government the does, you mean? Yeah. 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 So his fear there, I mean, I also share this fear as a personal one, um, is that it will fall into the hands of the wrong people. And um, 
I mean, I see people now, including people I care about, getting in trouble for being the ones in control of these substances, and the law enforcers not liking it. Does he, can he see the near future of what will happen? I'm seeing there is a movement. Um, it's weird, I almost don't want to say too much about it, because it feels like... Don't want to give it away? Yeah, it feels like a secret. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like saying, despite all of what's going on and what we can see within um, the laws changing, there's a whole movement outside of that that's not connected that care and um, want to implement change. It's kind of like with everything too. There's a bunch of people outside of what the government institu- or institutions mm. consider healthy or good or um, you're not breaking the rules or whatever. And there's always a group out there, usually a group out there that's kind of coming in and kind of... Yeah, like in yeah. agriculture and in yeah, medicine. Exactly, in agriculture. I think in agriculture yeah. and medicine. So Yeah. If they okay. feel like the protectors, um, and I see that moving through history as well. There's been these people marching, and it's almost like the women's movement as well. There's so many people from history that have just kept this going, and in the psychedelic movement, Leary being one of them, and amongst so many others, but I just feel that energy moving forward, and I f- there is a sense that... Um, people will be protected. And I don't know if that um, that group of people I see outside the protectors, if they are, if that's an energetic thing from spirit or it's actually um, a physical movement. I feel like it's both actually. There are people on the ground now doing stuff and, and there's a whole host of people from the past who are there holding it. Going back to what you're saying about his personality, I could see how the media or just the general public, because I think he was quite a household name and sort of vilified, like mm-hmm. you say, is uh, they maybe confuse his personality, which is like this kind of rebellious, you know, hard edge kind of guy, outspoken, mm-hmm. with the drug and the effects of that and kind of put them together. And they said, well, look at this guy. If you do that, that's what you become. Mm-hmm. Versus being able to separate it. That's maybe what happened. I don't know. Well, it's like the perfect excuse, you know. Oh, you take drugs, you're going to get kicked out of one of the top universities. Um, and your life is going to be ruined. So really, oh, it's frustrating. Because it's like the literally the perfect handing to them. A story to spin about you and at that point there's just nothing you can do about it so yeah I want to tune into that actually if he feels very resilient that could have broken somebody else but it feels like he just kept pushing and he didn't give up so I, I, if you have any questions about that well it seems like for a while he, he gave up on the psychedelics and sort of focus more his attention on like space travel and computers. And, yeah. yeah. But then in his later years kind of came around. So I'd be curious to know, I guess, like why he didn't keep pushing forward with that mm-hmm. or if it just the war on drugs became so intense then. If I look at the history from say like the fifties up until now in regards to psychedelics, it feels like during the, especially the 80s and 90s it almost like uh bottlenecks a bit so i feel like this restriction um i mean illegal drugs were still popular then they always have been but as for uh research and trying to do things legitimately there just wasn't really much space in that period i'm seeing so it's almost like there was no choice Right, if he wanted to make a living, he had to do something else. I'm hearing like the lights had to go out for a bit, we had to go dark. And that's a shame because then he ended up dying in the 90s. So, yeah, there's just there's this feeling of, I don't know what dates exactly, but they've not, not been able to do anything. Wait, I want to check in with that again, that doesn't feel so right. 
It's interesting. It doesn't really feel like him. Um, not <laughs> I'm not connected to him, but the fact that he moved his focus away from psychedelics, it almost feels like a part of him dies. Like he's had to hold that in. He's not really fully being himself. He definitely had other interests, but that spark he had when he was doing that work just kind of it, it disappeared. That totally makes sense, because when I was reading about that, that was the feeling I had. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, like, of course, space travel and all that's just really cool. But in relation to like everything else I'd read, it felt out of place and it felt sort of like second best, like a letdown bit. Mm -hmm. hmm. I definitely feel that in my stomach area. It's just like not, not feeling it. I'm not as passionate about it. It doesn't give me that fire. Was that his sacred sacred contract here to kind of open up the psychedelic experience in the Western culture? It's strange. I keep wanting to bring in Ramdas because they were on the same movement, same path, and I feel like they went in different directions. And there's something about Ram Dass's path that feels like the heart opening um, that you were saying that Leary was kind of missing because he was talking about the opening of the mind with mm -hmm. psychedelics. Also, you know, yeah. Um, and then you they're asking about his his contract. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what... There's something about them being joined together. Are they soulmates or soul group? Uh, my immediate feeling was no, not soulmates. A common mission. It's like born from the same space, the same mission, but different paths, expressions. Yeah, expressions of that, yes. And when you say that, is that because that, you know, it would have been better for them to not have diverged and stayed together and then he had get a bit more of the heart side of it and vice versa or were they you know is that how it was meant to go i feel as though there are probably times in their lives where they did cross back over um it's kind of like a, a coming and going and it doesn't feel like it was wrong of them for to take different routes leary's feels very on the ground doing the work um kind of front lines fighting with the people and ramdas is well, you know, he changed his name <laughs> to a guru name and he went more spiritual. They're, they're just very different energies. It's like the 3D and the 5D or earth and, and heaven or whatever you want to call it. And there's nothing wrong with that, with either of them. But in a sense, it doesn't... It feels like neither of them have both. One's one side, one's the other. Mm -hmm. Why did they come back? Because they came back towards the end of his life together. And they made... Did they make that movie together? Which one? About, about Leary dying. Oh, I don't know. I don't like know. Right before about. his death, they were reunited. And it says reunited, meaning like they probably were apart for a long time. Okay. I don't know the ins and outs of their relationship, and I haven't watched this documentary. Um, let me see their relationship. Because it feels important, because we almost did run round us in this episode. Maybe... They're kindred spirits, obviously. They're together, yeah. So if that means they're in the same soul group, cool. I would expect... Or I would think they would be. They each had their own mission, and I'm guessing one mission was to go at it at psychedelics, and then how, to, how that experience leads to the heart, and how that experience leads to the mind, maybe. Mm. And they're both kind of showing ones, as in Leary, uh, the mind part, and then Ram Dass, maybe the heart part. Yeah, and there could have been more integration of those two sides. As Yeah, that's what would be ideal, I think. Yeah, and, and that is where I feel um, we're now going, but I don't know that that happened mm. in their time. I mean, Ram Dass only died in 2019, so... Yeah. Recently, yeah. yeah, and Leary in '96. Okay, let me just see what else he wants to say there about their relationship. I do feel that Leary saying there was always a connection to Ramdas, always such love, even if there was ever any 
outward tension or resentment, like the underlying feeling was always one of love. And I kind of feel them joined together at the heart. So they must have had some deep soul connection. It's like that real brotherhood. Something about Ramdas feels more stable. And I feel that Ramdas did a good job at holding that. So Leary was kind of off doing lots of things and um, I don't like to say causing trouble, but I guess he was. And Ramdas just feels more anchored um, and chose a different path, it chose a different focus. His focus wasn't on fighting, it was more on like peace and love. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean Leary didn't have good intentions. He just really wanted people to see. But it feels, feels like Ramdas knew that the way to get people to see wasn't through fighting and shouting, but just through being. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like by the end of Ramdas's life, that comes through, whereas yeah. Leary still dies a controversial character. Yeah. And Ramdas dies a god. That's a great like, example of when one leads from the heart and caring compared to one who is trying to fight the system and really open up people's eyes in that way. I know Ram Dass probably had many like, conflicts and, and challenges in life. Uh, at the same time, he looked at life as more peace and love, like you're saying. And I think that's really kind of where people are in their souls. And so that kind of, kind of talks and, and, and speaks to people more. I don't, I, that's my mindset on it it's choosing where you devote your energy to and i don't think that means leary was wrong i do yeah, think we yeah. need people on the ground doing the hard work and it's almost like he sacrificed himself as somebody to go to prison to get in trouble and actually in some ways destroy his life he couldn't live such a normal life because of the fight he chose to be in and we do need people like that. If people don't speak up, then nothing will change. So it, it does feel about balance. And maybe they did choose those two paths on purpose. And neither of them did anything wrong. It's just here's one way, here's another. Maybe his partner is even just saying, hey, I'm going to go this way. We're going to yeah. hold these two different... Yeah, two different frequencies. Yeah, sharing it to two different pe mm -hmm. types of people. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about his experience of death, dying, and like being on the other side now, and how he might like relate life in the spiritual world to what he knew and has ex and had experienced in life on mushrooms or LSD. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like taking um, psychedelics is a window into that world that you get to experience for a bit but once you've passed it's just who you are and so in that moment when you're taking psychedelics possibly if you have this kind of experience you would experience what it's like to be one or be on the other side or just remove yourself from this dense reality but the problem is that it doesn't last and then you come crashing back down to earth and that's where a lot of the problems lie. So he did find out after dying that life on that side is really the same as the experience in mushrooms. Because that's what I was yeah, wondering if he's like, I knew it, I knew it was going to be like this. <laughs> Just more sustained. That doesn't feel 100% true. It feels more like... Um, I mean, mushrooms, psilocybin are a world of their own. And okay. I feel like they're their own network. They give a, a look into things, and same with LSD. But they're not that world. And I would think it's just one dimension mm. of, of reality. How would he describe it? Yeah. It's like they're tools. The psychedelics are tools, but they're not it. Nothing can possibly be it. And I'm hearing, like, even I wasn't prepared for what it is. So people can be all high and mighty like they've seen the other side. But they haven't. I actually, um, I'm seeing now, like, someone having a near-death experience would be closer to that than mm -hmm. taking psychedelics would. They're just different. They're not the same space. 
Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, and it, I mean, it opens you up into, it opens your mind and it might open your heart and you might see crazy things and have access to maybe a, a spirit does come to you or you see a part of your life that you've forgotten. Um, and maybe you feel like you meet God or you go into the oneness or whatever it is that you're experiencing, but you're not, you're not there. You are still tethered to this human life, so you can't be there. It's a tool to look at your life differently. Mm -hmm. And for beings from that world to support you. So it's like it opens a door to a room where you can look around and explore, but you don't actually get to move into the house. You don't get to live in it. It's like another teacher or another way of learning. A tour guide. I'm saying as a tour guide to go around the house. (laughs) But all the museum or whatever, but not not to get to stay in it and you and you have to leave and again I, I keep wanting to say that's where the trouble lies is that people come back into their body or they don't really come back into their body because they don't want to leave and then you have one foot in each realm and then you split in half and it feels terribly torturous then mm. I guess that's how you become like a heroin junkie and just wanting to try to be in there all the time right well I can yeah, I don't feel like psychedelics are addictive um, like other Schedule 1 drugs are, you know, heroin and whatever else. Um, Is that because it's more physical dependency versus...? That's where I was going there, yeah, is... I don't know all the ins and outs of every drug, but... I do feel like the addiction with psychedelics isn't about the, the physical addiction, it's about... Um, the addiction to the high of that world and feeling a certain way and feeling like you belong or where like internal pain kind of disappears. So what does, how is it on the other side? Can you tell us? I actually feel like it's kind of not as um, magical as he may have thought it would be. Because there is like the harsh reality of having to look at yourself. There's still accountability for your life. It's not just easy breezy, you're free now. Um, There is a lightness, of course, that you shed the weight of of the physical body and the pain, but there's still stuff to look at. Just as you can look at while you're on psychedelics. There's no avoiding the darkness. What's he been looking at? I'm sensing a bit of an emotional block there because I'm not really feeling much in my heart space. I feel like there could have been a slight lack of empathy or emotional understanding in him because he was such an intellectual person. It's almost like I said earlier, he's missing that. Dis- there's a disconnect between what he's thinking and what he says. And it feels like he's been looking at that piece. He was married five times. And usually to me that means someone who's not comfortable just staying in discomfort has Mm -hmm. to move on for the next shiny thing and kind of run away from the tough stuff. Which would make sense to what he's saying, like you can't avoid the darkness, you still have to look at your shit even when you're dead. Um, Yeah, I I feel quite dead inside Mm -hmm. emotionally because I'm too busy intellectualizing everything. Yeah. And there's a, even with that saying there's no emotion, there's sadness coming through with that, but I'm just not feeling it in my body. Is there anything that he would suggest or any way or any teaching he would suggest on how to become more in the heart, more emotional instead of always up in the head? It's funny, I feel to turn to Ram Dass for that answer because he feels like the one he did that. Do you want to talk to Ram Das? Yeah. Okay, let's see if he wants to come along. And I feel like Leary understands that as well. He's not like, how dare you not ask me? He's just <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Let the man speak. So there is this understanding between them that one is one way and one is the other. And Ram Das couldn't necessarily talk about fighting the fight and actually doing so much of the groundwork. Um, there's a respect, 100% of respect there. Mm. 
Okay, let's see what Ramdas has to say. Can you repeat your question for him? How would one go from intellect and living up in the head to more or less being more in balance between the head and the heart? Take psychedelics. <laughs> you see, I feel Ramdas would say you don't need psychedelics for that. It's about the body. It's like the body is the space between the mind and the heart. And he's saying you don't need to go to some cave in India and hide away for months and meditate and like try so hard. I feel like he tried a lot of things to get to the place he was in himself. And I'm hearing um, there was this album made for psychedelic therapies and one of the tracks in it is called Sit Around the Fire and it's got Ramdas talking in it like over music and um, I can't remember exactly what he says but I'm being brought back to that track and it's one I always listen to and just will immediately make me cry even if I'm not mm -hmm. on anything. Let's see if you can tell me in other words. It's about being able to understand that the mind, no, it's about being able to understand the mind not being in it and sucked into it. It's like, it's so obvious, observing the mind mm, in all its sense. its tricks. Um, yeah. The little roads it wants to go down, the loops it gets stuck in. You have to become the master of your own mind, but not by trying to understand it from the inside, but by looking at it from the outside. And while you're looking at it from the outside, it's about having compassion for yourself and the pain you feel, the discomfort, and loving that part of you as well, but looking at your mind through the lens of your heart. Mm. Kind of acceptance and love and non-judgment. Curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, rather than trying to struggle and fight it and make it stop, it's like zoom out and observe it. And I do think that's where psychedelics can support you. I mean, it's no fun if you're on them and you get stuck in your mind. That's absolute torture. But that's why I think having a therapist doing it with you is so beneficial because they can help you not get sucked into that. Because I've heard both with people who have done psychedelics, like, oh, it was such a heartwarming, incredible experience to, wow, I was getting all these ideas and all this stuff. It's like two completely different experiences. So people can, I mean, psychedelics can kind of work on everything. I think. Does Ram Das, you know, having lived a pretty long life on Earth and studied, you know, obviously started off as studying the psychedelics, becoming a spiritual teacher, what's his view on psychedelic use now? Did it change from when he was back at Harvard? It feels like he went down the route of you don't need them. That's what it sounded like when you said before. Yeah, but I also feel like there are two very different types, more than two very different types of people. And even I know from experience, from having a psychedelic journey recently, I got the message that you don't need them. Mm -hmm. I got that message too. Yeah, and I think you get to some point in your journey or you find other avenues to reach that space, but some people are so blocked that they need something to force them open. Yeah, it's like a big, like, when I was yeah. When I was doing my last um, ayahuasca experience, that's exactly the message I got is, this is your last one. Mm -hmm. It's now your job to figure out how to get there on your own without doing psychedelics. So it's, I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it took me 10 years to find out how, but it was... Well, tell cool. us. Oh, it was through breath work. Just, mm -hmm. you know kind of thing. I'd never done it and I was like, whoa, I'm almost yeah. to where I was with the ayahuasca experience. Wasn't expecting that. So Yeah, there are many other ways of opening yourself up that don't involve taking anything. Even just dreams themselves. If you can cultivate a deeper relationship with your dream world, then the messages can come through there. Mm -hmm. You don't need to take something, but I think the way our society is right now with everyone being so mental and feeling like they're trapped in a box, psychedelics is one of the ways, if you're doing it with a therapist, that can
can really support you mm -hmm. to see things differently. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people that swear by it, that, that it changed everything for them. And I think once you start going down that path of having the awareness that you can get from psychedelics, then you find out, you know, about these other things and breathwork and you learn more and more. Yeah. And then you get to the point where you are able mm -hmm. to sort of figure it out on your own. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right for the, to get started. And it's also, a very dramatic way to do that. Also, I feel like you, there, you do hear stories of it changed my life. It cured me of this. Don't go into it with that expectation. Mm, yeah. Because you will most likely be disappointed. Just be curious. Yeah. And it, you shouldn't do it because someone else had a great experience or you shouldn't not do it because someone else had a terrible one. Um, but yeah, be careful with why you're doing it and just really learn to tune into yourself. Of, Am I doing this because it's the right time for me and I know that? Or because I think it's going to give me something that I just feel that I need. What does Ramdas? How does he feel about Timothy Leary? I feel that he's really proud of him. And it's like they both put their hands in their hearts and say, "Brother." So that's seen nice. too. Yeah. Just such a mutual respect and understanding. I have the feeling that it's they say that it's not for either of them to judge or comment on the other's journey. To it's say, like, cool. you did it wrong or I did it right. There's just this... They just both did it. Yeah. Probably knowing in advance which they way they were going to go is what it yeah, sounds like to me. Quite the life. I mean, how can you have even more, like, beautiful and big life and what they have. It's so cool. It's, like, it's so wow, cool that they started off doing that together and then yeah. in two completely different ways. Like the first thing I read was this little like blurb from Harvard University about what? it's like we have this, you know, unexpected you know, this kind of thing that happened back in the past and we kick these people out, but they've both gone on to like, you know, fame and acclaim in different ways. One went to jail, one escaped and as in Leary and he went to Algeria this is what I, I yeah know. all over Algeria. the world Algeria he's captured in Afghanistan but <laughs> and then how he tried to run for governor against Ronald Reagan in California <laughs> yeah I think that's interesting I want to read more about that I'm like how did yeah. that end up obviously you know but like as far as what kind of support did he actually have <laughs> to be interesting to see great. um I think a, a question I have for Leary is, you know, what was driving him to push it so much in that time, you know, where mm -hmm. he was willing to go to jail and all these things for it? Like, what, what was he trying to accomplish? Great question. The first thing that's coming to me is just wanting to say, like, it wasn't the ramblings of a madman. It feels like a lot of it is just really wanting people to see social injustice, injustice in general that existed at that time still does and there's a frustration because he just so desperately wants the truth and it's like everything's one big illusion and people are being tricked and he just wants to like pull that curtain back and expose everything which he felt that lsd would do you know put it in the water and everyone take it in the world would be different <laughs> what were they being tricked about I, it's like I don't even want to go into the darkness of the US government <laughs> at that time especially so many secrets it just feels like pure darkness and we know the CIA was doing their own experiments with these drugs to people that didn't even know they were being on these drugs and I think that's where the parallel is now that Larry brought up at the beginning of not wanting it to get into the hands of the wrong people um, because he knew what was happening then and it's like now no they might I mean they might still use it for that I don't know but it's not necessarily about that it's just about like the majority of the power being in the hands of the wrong people in terms of psychedelics and who gets to choose where they go and who gets them and how much it's just this freedom movement it's like freedom 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 is coming from him mm. And I do think there's a bit of a naivety there in him. You know, if, if 
the whole world took LSD, like, it would probably fall to shit. You can't go from living in that structured system to then not having one at all. Like, it just wouldn't make any sense. So I think his the dreams for his lifetime are a bit lofty. It's kind of hard to even garden while you're on psychedelics. <laughs> Stare at the plants. <laughs> I love that how when he got put in prison, he was given that test. Yeah. The personality test, which he had helped develop. Yeah, so he knew the answers. And so he, he answered it in a way that they thought, okay, he's like, he's very conforming. And they put him in, in the gardening role. So then he was outside, and yeah. like, and then he had managed to escape from prison That's that way. Hilarious. Yeah, I really admire smart people like that. I just think it's He's a so super funny. smart guy. Yeah, I was just gonna ask about his ashes because some oh, of his yeah. ashes were put into space because of his interest in space mm-hmm. travel, and some of his ashes were burned at Burning Man. And how does he? Like, oh, I didn't know it, about that at Burning Man. Susan Sarandon brought them to Burning Man. Really? Put them in some effigy. Oh, that's great. And then the effigy was burned on this whatever wow. date. Um, yeah, I was just wondering what you know how what he thinks about all that. It feels like his human self would really care about that. Yeah. But now he's gone. He's just like, well, it doesn't really matter. He sees it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I was going to ask him, does it matter? No. <laughs> but does that? It's kind of fun. Yeah. And I, I think it's really important for him to be praised. And I haven't been to Burning Man myself, but I understand the premise behind it. And it feels like the people there would support what he did. So... Yeah, that must feel nice. Yeah, and really beautiful that everyone in that um, community has him to thank for so much. And, I, and it's, it's so it's just so sad that it's always as time passes, once people are dead, that we see what they've done. And there are people right now doing the same work that he did, um, getting in trouble as well. <laughs> and I just trust and know that one day those people will be thanked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read this book by, do you know who Dolores Cannon is? I know the name. Uh, Dolores Cannon, she did hypnotherapy for a living, and then suddenly it was kind of like exactly what happened to Newton and Brian Weiss, that kind of thing. Um, but her books are just giant, and she did one on um, uh, Jesus and John the Baptist, and it's much different than the, what the Bible shows us. And I believe the woman that she was working on was an Essene, way back in the past, was an Essene um, teacher. And one of her jobs was to teach John the Baptist and Jesus when they were when they were young. And I'm kind of relating this to Ram Das, the heart part, and Leary, the 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 mind, the intellect part. Because what this teacher said was, these two were on the same path, but in different walks of that path. John the Baptist was more about ego, and this is what they knew when he was they were being taught about ego and intellect, and that's what he was going to teach, and Jesus is about heart, and that's what he was going to teach. So it kind of, for me, it kind of relates that way to Ram Dass and Leary. Was he Jesus in another life? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a really beautiful analogy, and just hopefully will help people see that just because you're not like somebody else with the same mission as you doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. I think in so many ways it, it is from the heart, and the intentions could be very well matched. Yes, the intentions are yes. about things different ways. Mm-hmm. And how different would life look now if Leary didn't choose that path or they switched paths or both did both and did were they both born around the same time, do you know? Not sure. Because one lived quite a bit longer than the other one. Ram Das lived. Leary died, I think, around seventy. Five years he was born in 1920 and he died in 96, so 76. Anything else? I mean, that's super interesting. Anything else that you, because you had many questions. Mm. I just really want to ask them if they have any um, advice or reflections on people now doing the same work as them because they're so close to me. So I'm like, I just really want to see if they have a message. I need to ask them one at a time because it's like 
<laughs> Too much information at once. Okay, let's go for Leary first. I'm hearing him say, like, I bow to you and I see the sacrifices you're making. Yeah, Leary's saying, I bow to you and I see the sacrifices that you're making, um, which are sacrifices he knows well. And that many people around you won't understand. And those sacrifices don't look like the right thing to do. And people around you will feel abandoned. But it's like there are people that have to take on these roles that may look selfish, but they're actually for a greater good. And at some point, people will see that. But he just feels very understanding that it can be a lonely path and like you're the only one fighting and the only one who cares and there are probably points where you're like fuck it i give up why have i chosen this why am i doing this i could choose differently and i think there is free will that these people could choose differently as well they could just say okay i'm done with this movement i don't want to put myself in that space anymore but like the determination it takes to keep going it's just one of the bravest things, bravest choices people can make to fight for something they actually believe in that is no doubt going to get you in trouble. And <laughs> he's saying, like, even when you're doing the right thing, they'll make it a problem if you're not doing what they like, meaning the people in charge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, it's like he's saying there's no right way of doing it. There's only so much you can skirt around, but know that you're doing a service. And then what would Ram Das say? I feel like he's kind of just putting his hand out and giving love. He doesn't really have much to say. Again, just respect of choosing that path. It's kind of like some people are just made for the fight and others aren't. And it doesn't mean they're not fighting in their own way. Which in a way makes me kind of sad, actually. It's like, oh, I don't want it to have to mean that it's one or the other. Love or war because there's still love in, in that version of war, but only a hope that those people fighting at least find some peace in their life and get to experience even just a bit of, of what he managed to do. It's like, don't let it... It's the same with power. Don't let it consume you or control you. How can you um, not get too sucked into the fighting and the darkness that exists in society right now? Yeah. I was thinking it might be interesting for the listeners to hear a little bit about your background and your connection with mm -hmm. psychedelics. So do you want to just talk about that for a bit? Yeah, I'm going to be careful what I say. It makes me sad. Mm. Yeah, I worked in this industry for a few years. Um, someone close to me is involved in this industry, and I've seen firsthand how destructive regulations are and how misunderstood people in this industry can be. And I feel like I just really relate to Larry's life and what he went through. And I can imagine what the people close to him felt and how hard it is to watch someone choose that life, but knowing that that is the life they chose and still being proud of them for that. Yeah, this, just this recording and, um, has just reflected that even more deeply for me because it's such a difficult choice to make mm -hmm. and um, it's easy to judge people for what they've chosen but I choose to love the people in my life and the people in the world who have chosen this path because I think it's such a brave crusade. Yeah, it really is. And people who have met in this path, in that path, are usually out to help others. It's not just they want to have an experience. It's no. more like this can help change people's lives. And and the problem is that it's betrayed that it's about greed and money um, because the people saying that are projecting their own agendas. Mm -hmm. And they also okay. have a ton of money, the other people saying yeah. this. Yeah. And it's not like the people who do it don't want to get paid for it. You deserve to be paid for it. But Money's it's not about the money. Why would you go into something so risky just for money i mean some people <laughs> do, do but, but yeah modern day drug dealers um which is a completely different set of drugs it's not psychedelics yeah, yeah. 
but they've all been lumped into one and there's people trying to unpick those knots that that's the truth and they get burned for it and it's really yeah. sad. We would have alcohol and cigarettes which kill millions every single year yeah. and then we have marijuana and psychedelics that it'd be hard to even find somebody who's been killed by them mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are, but... No, that stuff ever makes any sense. But it's usually like they took a ridiculous amount and then thought they could fly and yeah. jumped off a building. Yeah, it's it's never or just stupid. Like un- alcoholics un- do that all the time. Irresponsible <laughs> use. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and and there are people out there trying to um, regulate because when you buy these substances on the black market, like who knows what's in them? So there's people trying to regulate that and and make it safer, and then they get in trouble. Even I totally support 100% legalization of drugs and take all the money from the enforcement that you don't have to do anymore and put that into education. I still think it'd be a problem. Yeah. Education and rehabilitation for the few that it's a problem for them. Yeah. You know, because it's not that many people, if they're educated properly, that are going to go become junkies or like just harm themselves, you know. At least that's my opinion. Uh, one last thing is that there's a lot of theories coming up these days just based on, you know, information coming to light from the past, excavations, you know, interpretations of ancient monuments and stuff like that that lead some um, scientists to believe that there was a high level of psychedelic use in the ancient past in our world. And that that is how humans actually evolved to where we did because psychedelics were introduced. Now that they're on the other side, do they have any insight into that topic? That's a great topic. I listened to a podcast on this a couple of years ago about how something to do with Jesus mm-hmm. and like the drinking of Mushroom. the wine or yeah, yeah or something. And it's like actually a psychedelic and none of that stuff really happened. <laughs> um, okay, Leary's coming through for this one. And it's like he's saying, we'd be stupid to think that it only started existing in the 1900s. Because it really didn't. Was it a big part of life then? Imagine hearing like mushrooms probably existed before we did. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. Uh, was it a big part of life back Yeah, then? like important. I believe that there are many indigenous cultures in which this was deeply ingrained in a part of their worship. It still is in many places. But somehow it got written out of history for different like different cultures. So um, it's like more modern religions wiped that out of the history. But if you went to tribes and indigenous cultures, communities, then it would that they'd say it's been there since the beginning. Because it's just another form of control. So they can't control that, where people go in their own minds and the insights they get. So best to like take that out of their system. That's how I would imagine it went down, but I feel like that's a whole other topic. To yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, I I mean that would be a cool episode to do, it would just be on you know, interpretations of these ancient stone carvings and like what were they trying to get across yeah what would be neat stories from the bible but even like so i've taken ayahuasca not quite a bit but several times and there is a definite female goddess aspect to it that's alive and guides you and it's like a mother and that is someone who maybe we could even talk to sometime as well it's like Mm -hmm. These plants have their own kind of consciousness to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, I found this to be an incredibly interesting episode. Yeah. Did you guys like it? I liked it a lot. Yeah. This might be one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ramdas and Timothy Leary, yeah. for coming through and helping to educate us and enlighten us. And what's really neat to the audience is that we didn't know who to... Well, I kind of wanted to speak to Ram Das, and they wanted to speak to Larry, right? I did. Well, you did. And then 
I was kind of going back and forth. I really wanted Ram Dass, and it both came through. It was really yeah. neat. Yeah. Yeah. And they're brothers. <laughs> they're kindred spirits. Great. Well, thank you, everybody. If uh, you found this episode and any others that we might have done enjoyable, please do consider however you can support us, whether it's like likes or shares, or I'm not really sure how it all works, but <laughs> we, yeah, subscribe. That's right. We'd love to get these out to more people. So if you can help us with that, we'd really appreciate it. And I guess we will talk to you next time. Enjoy. Enjoy.